Once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. President Harry Truman, 1950. This isn't just a conversation about government. It's more so a discussion about the philosophy behind censorship and its worth. The government's job, per the Constitution, is to protect our liberties, not to bubble wrap us with safety and make sure we only get the quote-unquote good information. Good is subjective, and the same people who have the power to define what's good will eventually lose that power to someone else with a different definition. But what about the private businesses like Facebook or Twitter? On principle, I would hope their values align with that of the Constitution, allowing for the free flow of ideas and discourse. But as private businesses, they can platform whatever content they want. The question becomes whether Facebook, Twitter, or Google are monopolies or subject to publishing laws due to their nature. But to me, that's beside the point. The censorship of different ideas causes irreparable damage. It sows division, fosters resentment, and fuels conspiracy. What about censorship of words considered hateful or rude? Daytime television barely allows someone to say hell without being bleeped out. Casual nudity is banned on television because our American culture has over-sexualized our bodies to a point where the mere sight of a breast could be obscene. Yet we allow movies and shows depicting exploding body parts and gore. Censorship isn't even applied evenly here, and it seems to focus too much on what the public deems quote-unquote too far. But whose job should it be to dictate what's good or bad or right or wrong, obscene or not? Is it government? Is it big tech? Shouldn't there be some personal responsibility in all this too? Either way, censorship comes in many forms with so much to discuss. So many different angles at play. In just these two episodes during the month of September, it's hard to penetrate the multi-layered issues at play, but we wanted to challenge our own thoughts and try to understand how to best frame our own opinions. So stick with us. Hope you enjoy the content. Enjoy the show. In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. This episode is brought to you by our favorite spirit, whiskey. We enjoy conversations more when there's a drink in our hand. During this discussion, I'm enjoying a glass of Old Elk Blended Straight Bourbon, distilled at Fort Collins, Colorado, at Old Elk Distillery, and sourced from MGP in Indiana. This bourbon packs some heavy flavors of musty oak, leather, baking spices, vanilla, and has a fruity balance, filled with depths of barbecue smoke, anise, and lingering rye spices. It's worth the price if $50 for an 88-proof expression doesn't bother you. The sheer uniqueness makes it stand out against other craft bourbons. Now, let's get back to the show. Cheers. So welcome back to the Shadow Band podcast, The Kogan Conversation. The Shadow Band Conversation. Alan, why don't why don't the big tech companies want you people to hear what we have to say? What do you mean you people? No. <laughs> No, I, uh, I, I don't want to be the guy who made a podcast and isn't getting that much engagement to shift blame from our own content to the big tech team actually censoring us because they don't like what we're saying. I'm not conspiratorial. I don't have a tinfoil hat on, but I will say that uh, you can clearly see the engagement on some Instagram posts and some Facebook posts and the al analytics thereof clearly are not performing. Even if you put in strategic hashtags and, and put at the right times, like you should at least get maybe a hundred or 200 people just organically finding your posts because it exists out there in the ether. But we're like at around 10 and it's usually people who are just automatically on our page like friends and family so that's frustrating 
And I, I, I do have uh, suspicions that it's because we talked at length about COVID vaccine passports and because the algorithms, I don't think it's an individual. I don't think it's Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey at the at the helm of things. But like we discussed on the other episode, I think uh, I think there's an algorithm that is trying to siphon off people who are talking about COVID in not the most like pro-vaccine, do what the government says way, even though we're not anti-vax at all. We, we both got vaccinated. So it's kind of hilarious how it's, you know, we're just trying to have a conversation about a thing. And, you know, whether we disagree or agree with what comes down the pipe, we should be able to talk about it because I thought this was America. <laughs> it is this weird gray area of they're not suspending people's accounts. I'm just going to broaden it out a bit because maybe it's happening to us. Maybe it isn't. We don't know for sure. Um, you see people like Eric Weinstein have been talking about that on Twitter forever. Where he's like, I saw a clear drop off at a certain point with the engagement with my posts. Okay. I could accept the fact that I just became a less interesting of a person, but like that wouldn't explain this sharp of a, an instant drop off and steady, like non-engagement in what I have to say with the amount of followers that I do have on Twitter. Yeah, just more broadly, it's like people, there's people clearly just getting suspended off of accounts, like big one was Trump getting suspended off of Twitter at the beginning of the year, or he got kicked off completely um, after being suspended previously. And then, yeah, you have like whole channels getting taken down off YouTube for any amount of reason. Usually it's like COVID, uh, what they label misinformation. I know we brought that up in the last episode, but uh, Brett Brett Weinstein, his brother, his podcast, Dark Horse, has been suspended, I think, not permanently, but repeatedly off of YouTube, and they've since moved onto a different platform for that that nobody can actually find. Besides that, yeah, there's there's this, there's clear evidence of people, quote unquote, being shadow banned. And that's something maybe we, I brought up very briefly in the last episode, but we didn't really dive into what that is. It's like, you, they, you can't make a claim that they're like, actively censoring your speech because it's still on the platform people can find it if they really try and look maybe but it's not being seen by people who would otherwise see it eric weinstein for instance is like people have told me specifically that i'll make a post and it will not show up in their feed it won't show up unless i get they get a direct link to the tweet they'll even go to the person's wallet and they won't see that tweet pop up well it's it's akin it's akin to like i mean we, we've discussed this privately but facebook and twitter private companies as they may be are essentially a public square in which we all can just post something and and say something and shout something and protest something or support something it's essentially like back in the day you would go to a public square with a megaphone or you know, a bullhorn and just say, Hey, this is me. This is what I think. What do you think? And then you might have people who yell at you and throw tomatoes at you. You might have people who support you, but it's akin to, uh, the people who run the public square, putting earmuffs on everyone around you, except for maybe five people. So you're there in the public square, your profile exists, your human beingness exists, but they can't hear you. And there's no, no way to traffic them to you. So yeah, it's a form of censorship. It, it's just, it's a, it's a, I don't know, like a, a very stealthy way of them, but I don't know if it's them doing it. Is it just an, a poor algorithm set that isn't done correctly? Right. Cause that's the big question is like, are there actually people's eyes going on specific people's pages and like clicking some kind of checkbox to say limit this person's reach sometimes it seems that way like it's very convenient the timing of certain things like suddenly someone just gets turned off 
If they're not suspended, they're just gone from your feed. And it is kind of like tinfoil hat-y. Like it's like, it's almost like an act of gaslighting of anyone who uses the platform and is in that public square. Who's like, oh, well, I hear all these other people. Clearly what that person's saying is just, you know, what they're saying isn't important enough to be viral enough for me to see it. It's like, no, you're, you're not going to find it if you're not like actively searching for those things. But yeah, and it's like, are there eyes on these things? Or is it just is it just an algorithm that they plug some keywords into those pop up in their machine learning? Like, oh, we heard this word come up, or we see this word come up in their keywords, or we see this thing come up in their description. All right, let's feed them through into this track of they're not, they have no real possibility of getting into the mainstream feed of people. Well, and it, it even goes a step further, right? I, like censorship of a certain post. If I, If you and I make a Facebook post with the Kogan conversation platform and we say vaccines are bad and government is bad or something that isn't agreeable to the powers that be, they can censor that post. They can take it down. They can remove it. They can also just shadow ban that, that, that post itself. But what the shadow ban tends to do is it, it, it shadow bans your account. So even if you make one statement that either you didn't know, or you maybe change your mind or, you know, you grow with education or something, and you come to find out that oh, well, no, the vaccine's great, and I support this. Uh, well, you're you're done until they remove that restriction on your account, um, or if there's a, a timeline. Uh, and, and Facebook and Twitter have been very unclear about how this all works. So yeah, you're shadow banned. Even if I, if I post my next post could be something good, something something very beneficial, but it doesn't see the light of day. So it's not that you're censoring that specific infraction; it's censoring you as a whole for any future content you might put out there. And that's, it's like a, it's like, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're preemptively trying to stop, you know, you're fighting a war before it begins type thing? Another thing they do too, which, which, which Dark Horse, which is Brett and Brett Weinstein and, and Heather Haying's podcast, they, before they got removed off of YouTube, they were demonetized. And there was another form of censorship is that, okay, if you have enough viewers and, and, and subscribers and listeners to whatever. On YouTube, you can monetize with ads. So YouTube will pay you for putting ads on, on your video that has heavy traffic so that people see the ad and advertisers make money that way, right? Well, if you have enough infraction, um, it, as many enough infractions on what would go on against the quote unquote community standards or something that you don't agree with or YouTube doesn't agree with what you say or conspiracy something or let's say election fraud or a discussion just about election fraud to maybe, hey, is there something here? That's demonetized because it's considered dangerous or wrong or misinformation. And you can now no longer make a living. There's been plenty of people, mostly conservative, um, but people who have who have lost their livelihood because they don't make money that they were making off of YouTube. So their their content that they've been creating is basically just for fun. Now they have to set up either go to Patreon or go to, uh, you know, just ask for straight up donations to Venmo or PayPal, which of course they could still do and it still works and people still get money. Of course, I don't think anyone is is singing the, the blues for these people because I mean, it'd be kind of nice to make money off YouTube. Cool. Good for you. But that being said, though, the platform can do that. The platform has you by the balls when it comes to money. You know, your entire your entire purpose and your entire livelihood is is managed by YouTube. And just because you say something that doesn't align with their ideology or their beliefs, and their beliefs aren't even clear to begin with. Also, they're a, a, a company. They're not a, a political figure. Uh, now you're beholden to to them. And how do you? What do you do? What do you do with that? Is that is that good? 
it's a private company. So I tend to lean in the direction that they have the freedom to do that. They have the freedom to, to curate whatever they want. I think the larger question is, is it good? And I think no. I think if YouTube was a good company who wanted to participate in the space that they are with media, they would fully allow everyone to do everything within reason, of course. We said earlier in the, in the last episode, I mean, that's not allow child porn. That's not allow you know pornography by itself. That There's other venues for that. That's fine. Uh, videos of people being killed or dying. I, I, yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's not host that. I think we can all be bipartisan about that. But then, but an episode where we are questioning the efficacy of a vaccine passport or a vaccine mandate. Oh, well, now YouTube is going to take us down, demonetize us and, and consider us anti-vax and not helping the solution. When in reality, I think those discussions actually lead to a more effective vaccine. Most of them that I've seen, like are creators that I have generally followed who have had to deal with these like random strikes or demonetizations on their videos. And they're not actively looking to break these rules. They're actively looking to follow the rules and they'll put something in their video that'll get flagged as, as like, oh, well, this is grounds for demonetization. And they'll be like, where in your community standards, I've read them. Does it say that this is grounds for this? It doesn't make any sense. There's no transparency about this. And it takes like a giant upswell of people who see these things for anybody at YouTube to actually take a look at them. And more often than not, when they do, they'll just be like, well, it was flagged by the system. It is what it is. Fuck you. It's a strike or fuck you. It's not getting monetized anymore. And it's like, yeah, there's people who and it's every platform where it's like people who rely on Patreon for their livelihood. People have gotten kicked off of there who are not necessarily political. What are they going to do now? Like they're completely out of what was sustaining them. And yeah, okay. It's like Crimea river. You're making money on the internet, but like it's the world we live in now. Like that, that's, it's a legitimate way to make a living, especially if you have an audience that's there to back you. And so, yeah, maybe it's the mistake of these creators in the first place who relied so heavily on a, on a platform that seemingly was this kind of democratized like YouTube. It's like anybody can upload a thing. Anybody can watch any video and it's the cream that rises to the top and it's being slowly turned into the cream not rising to the top but what they decide is the good part rising to the top and everyone else is just screwed yeah and i i guess that that can kind of branch into our next question is you know what's the line for censorship what kind of information is something that should be censored hey, you know i i'm trying to look at the other side of the, the argument is that Obviously, people would say people with a platform who have followers, who have credibility saying that COVID is a hoax. That might be I'm not agreeing with this, but I'm just saying they would say that it's it's grounds for uh, calling that misinformation because you could harm lives. You could basically tell someone such bad information that they, they don't take this seriously. They go sneeze on their grandmother and now people are dying. Also, I think this is kind of going the theme with what yeah, every topic we go into is survival of the fittest. I'm a big fan of people learning from their mistakes right? Tough love. If listen, if something happens and you die, if you get, if you die in a car, if you, someone dies in a car crash or someone you love dies in a car crash, or you get severely injured in a car crash because you weren't wearing your seatbelt in any of those instances, I just listed off. What's the, what's the takeaway? Maybe you should wear a seatbelt because the data behind seatbelt wearing is fucking clear as day. Well, I'm not going to get into the libertarian conversation about whether or not the federal government should mandate seatbelts. That is, that's beside the point because we all agree as a society that seatbelts work. So if you decide, just like we talked about recreational drug use, if you know that if you're not super fucking careful and know what you're doing when you're taking, when you're doing heroin, you could overdose and die. Is it the government's job, local, state, federal, whatever, to regulate that and to make sure we wrap everyone in bubble wrap 
and make you feel safe. It's like, no, I, I, I want, you know, obviously I'm going to tell my kid, don't touch the hot stove. It's going to burn your hand. But you know, it's going to teach him a lot faster that a stove is hot if he touches a fucking stove and burns his hand. Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Here in my eye, it's just because you said goodbye. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Kogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course, following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers. If we're going to go to the argument of what the government should be there to do, if we go by the, the fucking constitution, they're there to protect people's right to say anything that's in the first amendment like they that is their only job if someone is being actively sh like censored or silenced it should it should be the government's job to come in and say no this person has a right to speak even if it's terrible and it's like you would i would generally otherwise have said like oh maybe i agree with the law that behind it like this caveat of like well we can't you can't have speech that incites violence or causes panic or anything like that but now even that definition being used so loosely where like you could take that definition apply it to covid misinformation and say well this if someone out there saying that the vaccine is dangerous well that's that's actively hurting lives and causing violence because we've so completely changed the definition of these words of like what is doing violence to people well now words are doing violence to people hence hate speech and that and that is where it gets really scary where it's like the government's using all these weird very regressive arguments to say that people should not be able to have a platform to speak their mind even if they're idiots and they have the absolute wrong opinion we're more afraid of people having bad opinions now than we are we, like because they don't have better opinions or like better ideas to beat them out which is the basis of free speech as a whole well a good example to that point is the flat earthers what maybe three four years ago now that really start sort of take the nation by storm uh flat earthers is, is an actual organization and society of people who believe the earth is flat now any person of science and and common sense knows that that's just fucking not true <laughs> um not to judge flat earthers but they're wrong but but they're allowed to have their their conferences obviously their right to assembly um have all their facebook groups and whatnot and it, it's almost comical right it, it become it becomes this trend this this fad 
uh, to be contrarian. And because everyone thinks the Earth is round, NASA, the government says the Earth is round, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I'm going to join the Flat Earth Society because fuck the people. I'm going to do this just because. Even when I go home, I'm probably like, nah, it's not true. It's just fun. It's just fun to do. But, but now... The argument could be that you're subjecting children who are young and naive online in an early age to ideas that are so unfounded and non-factual that, well, that's misinformation. But is the, then it's the job then for your support systems, your parents, your family, your friends, your teachers, your your mentors, your if you're religious, your pastor and your, your, your people who you confide in. They, they're the ones who should help educate you and give you the tools to do your, your own research and form your own opinions. That's one of the biggest failings of education today is we have so many people who are just parrots. They parrot opinions as fact. They listen to Fox or CNN or, or some uh, even a podcast and say, oh, well, that's that opinion is I agree with that that sounds the best because he was he was eloquent uh it was a well-produced thing that had graphics they had numbers that i don't need to look into because the colors were pretty that's my opinion now and i'm sticking to it when in reality someone with you know uh, the ability to critically think and go and make the time the extra 30 minutes maybe a day to just scroll through different feeds and different information and discern from those things and formulate your own opinion based on the facts nine times out of ten you're going to have someone who was a flat earther become a, a person of science I, I don't know but so I, my argument is the flat earthers as an example are allowed to exist they should be allowed to exist even though they're stupid that's fine they're wrong but they're fine that's fine they're allowed to do that in this country you're allowed to be stupid in the united states of america and i think that's a beautiful thing because then the argument on the other side has to be made better and not belittling you can't I mean, like I'm doing right now, you don't don't call them stupid. But if I'm sitting here across the table from them and having a conversation, I'm not going to tell them stupid. I'm going to I'm going to try to add my best to have a conversation, educate them. And if I'm not eloquent enough, if my argument isn't compelling enough, if I just kind of browbeat, I, I lose. I lose because I'm not that interesting. They're interesting. So how do we fix that problem? Is it with censorship? Do we censor them to make sure that, oh, you know what, they're getting too popular? Get them away. These flat earthers are a great example of, of a point I want to get into where it's like there's there's this demonization of of skepticism now. Like you cannot be skeptical about what the official narrative of any kind of situation is or any kind of thing out there. Flat earthers are a great example of people who have just been like, okay, well, if you're a skeptic, you're just an idiot who thinks stupid things like the earth is flat or vaccines are unsafe. And it's like, okay, those are non-congruous because one flat earthers it's not right but all right i will i will still say you are have a right to your beliefs i can I, and i have a right to tell you that you're wrong and i think that exact same thing should be said about people who are skeptical about vaccines for any number of reasons I, I i think there is legitimate concerns but this is not about vaccines this is about skepticism as a whole i can see people who are who are skeptical about these vaccines being rolled out and I or anyone else should be able to go up to them and say, well, here's what the facts are and here's why you are probably wrong about these things and why it's mostly safe. No, it's it's turned into here's what the line is. If you're not on that line, you are against us and you have lost your right to speak or have any kind of opinion in this public space. And it's this demonization of, of skepticism of any narrative that's put out there that has just been very seemingly widely accepted by a lot of people. People that I otherwise like respected their intelligence are just like, well, this is what's out there on CNN or on 
on, on NBC or the news about here's what Trump said and did. I'd be like, well, that that is totally out of context. And here's my proof. Oh, well, you're you're not on our line. Well, don't want to listen to you. Done. We're done with you. You're skeptical of anything. And it's like, yeah, I'm fucking skeptical of everything <laughs> because history tells me to be skeptical of things when they're put in front of me and told me that's the way it is. Usually it's not. <laughs> I don't I don't see how people can not understand banning those types of things outright makes the people who you're trying to win over even more skeptical and untrustworthy of your cause. And now you just, you know, now those people won't get vaccines because you deleted an opinion that they were interested in having a conversation about it with a question. There's so many people out there who are not anti-vax. They're just inquisitive. They're skeptical. They want to know some answers. And the minute they ask a question, they're labeled anti-vax and you call them anti-vax. Isn't your goal to get more people vaccinated and save lives in this pandemic? If it's if that's truly your goal, rather than just being a partisan hack, you know, then do do a, do a better job. I, I'm trying to th I'm trying to see the other side. Like, what do you, what do you say to someone who just for the sake of argument is on the far left, who believes that, you know, these platforms should be censoring people who are claiming election fraud or claiming misinformation about covid and 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 you know i i tr i understand their trepidation i understand they have these these fears that this information is going to go somewhere and and build into a, a nasty wildfire that's hard to put out i get that democracy is messy unfortunately and and i i don't know how, how to phrase it in a way that that shows them that what they're trying to do as well-intentioned as it might be is actually more detrimental it it, it goes against what they're trying to fight for I don't know how to do that. You know, what have you encountered anybody? How do, how do you? I, it, yeah, I mean, the best I think I've ever been able to do is point at specific examples in history. That's not even that it's recent within the last 100 years where you can point to and say, here's what happens when these ideas were tried to be suppressed. They grew stronger and then they came back with a vengeance and it did a lot of damage in the long run. And I think that's a big thing about censorship in general. And words only have the power when you give them that power. And it works backwards in a weird way where it's like, if you tell people not to say certain things, that's going to just feed fuel more fire into those bad ideas to say, well, see, they don't want you to hear these things clearly because it's right. And I'm going to double down on it and I'm going to get more people to follow me because guess what? There's a lot of people out there who are skeptical by nature who don't believe what these mainstream things are putting out there and it's not just like conspiratorial thinking that's just like nature of people or it should be i think and yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna say here's here's an entire here's everyone on one side of the political spectrum who are gonna label as like deplorables going back to hillary clinton or even now like oh these are these people are akin to trump supporters are akin to the taliban like that's not they're not going away they're still there and every time you say that it's fueling that fire that you're like like putting gasoline on this thing that's going to burn your house down at the end of the day and it's not like making a threat about it it's just like there are very dangerous ways of thinking out there that when you don't shed the light on where these people are and what they're doing and what they're saying and then actively fighting those ideas with your better ideas, they're going to gain strength and they're going to come back. They don't just disappear. You don't just put that fire out. And that's where it's like, that's why that healthy skepticism and this open conversation should be encouraged and things that ought not to be said should be said 
openly and outwardly as much as possible because that way the power that those words and ideas otherwise would have just lose it we want to keep things where they are and going in a positive net direction and not going back to very bad ways of doing things like putting people in camps and like that's where it ends up is like crazy murder genocide shit and i don't want us to go there and it is possible like people who think that's not possible it is possible <laughs> yeah 100 percent, it's possible it happened it's it, it can happen again 100 it's ha- god fuck it's happening right now in china i mean how do you explain to someone like you had said previously the the theory of a, a net positive right to, to you and I, I in my brain my brain goes to a graph right it, with with a bunch of plot points and the average is improvement right there are some outliers and some hiccups and you know the, you know there's a it's kind of a roller coaster but overall the trend is moving upward in a positive direction we're doing better as a society that's the goal right but for whatever reason right now people are expecting others especially others who just don't have access to things because of their socioeconomic status or because of um, numerous other variables they're expecting nothing but perfection they're, they're 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 trouncing up things from 10 years ago and saying oh look you made a racially charged joke you're a racist and therefore you don't get to be a part of our society to, as, as we move forward i'm sorry there's something to be said about learning so those little you know those little hiccups in, in the graph where it is moving up those little hiccups are necessary to keep that moving forward you can't you can't just have perfection all the time you can't it's not how humanity works you know it's you know it was the it's it's so illuminating to me now where it's like a very beautiful example of this is someone like howard stern I think uh late 80s throughout the 90s he was shock jock supreme and he was pushing boundaries on like live radio that no one else was doing he paved a way for like a, a renaissance of of like free thought and speech and like yeah it was edgy and it was great and people loved it but he you knew that he wasn't like a bad person for saying these things and now you just have him come out and say fuck your freedom everyone should be have a mandatory vaccine and you like can you imagine if someone said to you howard stern at the end of the 90s fuck your freedom you can't say these things they're doing damage like like it's so it's it just lacks this this complete self-awareness and that's what happened to our our real progressive left-wing people who were for just pushing the boundaries and like and like riots at berkeley to to like preserve free speech and then 30 years later there's a riot to stop a conservative from speaking on campus it's this complete 180 that's happened that and i'm not saying like the right is any better. You have Arnold Schwarzenegger coming out now and saying, fuck your freedom. And it's like, okay, now we have people on either side saying, fuck your freedom. Uh, you can't, you can't say these things that are, that are spreading dangerous misinformation or hate speech. And you also, you also have to do these things when you're being told to do so. You need to comply. It's funny because I've heard so many people say this in response to how the Democrats have changed is that they're no longer liberal, they're left and they're leftists. I've heard that term quite a bit. You know, the woke social justice warrior type people who are trying to do everything at all costs, whether it be legislatively or by force with Antifa or whatever to to maintain social order in the way that they see social order should be maintained. Right? The, the, literally the definition of fascism. Uh, sorry, Antifa, you are actually not Antifa. You're, you're black shirt fascists. And I mean, the other question too is like, how big of a deal is Antifa, or is it more so hyperbole with a bunch of just a hundred people running around being stupid, LARPing? It's, yeah, it's it's a lot of LARPing. 
unfortunately. I mean, like, I want to say it's like, oh, it's this this threat to our democracy, but it isn't. I'm, it's it's LARPing. It's just like the Capitol riot. It's LARPing. What is the definition of liberal? I li- what does it derive from? Liberty, you know, like the the freedom to do things. The left uh, of the of the sixties and seventies was counterculture, right? Doing drugs, a bunch of hippies, Woodstock, doing whatever the fuck you want. Fuck the man, right? They, you know, the man won't bring me down. And and they, you know, obviously they fought against racial injustice that was happening, which by the way, the racial injustices that were happening was an overreach of the government, not the Republicans, not the Democrats. It was the government uh, sanctioned laws that were passed by stupid people who were short-sighted and, and racist. So liberty, freedom to do so, the freedom to protest. And like you said, now you have uh, the opposite effect of these people saying, oh, you can't say this because we don't agree. We don't agree with you because it's you're not you're not the type of liberal that we want you to be. What does that mean? How is that freedom? Yeah, and it's like it's like I, I can't give any props to the other side either. Like this is not like oh left bad no now right's good. It's like the right has been consistently regressive and fucking weird about saying certain things and like gay marriage and and abortions and all this shit. Like I'm not for that shit either. I'm like. Yeah, I want to be a liberal for liberty kind of person who's like for freedoms and shit and to say the things that people should be saying. Because those people in the 60s and 70s and 80s were also people like George Carlin getting arrested at Summerfest for saying the the seven words you can't say on TV. He got arrested for obscenity. He was arrested for obscenity. Yeah. Guess what? We don't have obscenity laws anymore, but now we have when we're going to have some hate speech laws like Canada. Don't don't misgender someone because that's hate speech and we can arrest you. I want to th- think that it's just the cyclical thing like like Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino addressed it on when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's like, yeah, the 80s were a time of of extreme PC culture and then the 90s we came back around and that's when I started making movies and was super successful and what's well guess what we're going back to the 80s now and we're in this hyper PC culture but it's going to come back around and I want to think that but it disturbs me when it's it's graduated from not just like a like a like political correctness and it's gone to actively censoring words and thoughts and ideas and people from broad platforms and now it's being it's going directly to like this weird policymaking thing where we're not just mandating you not say certain things we're mandating you put shit in your body or else we're mandating that you cannot go into certain places unless you have gotten said shit put into your body or you just can't go and yeah i i I can be on the 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 private business train till the until i'm blue in the face but then it's also my decision to say hey if a private business is doing x thing then i'm not going to patron them and it can go both ways. And that's the beauty of the freedoms we have as Americans. And they are unfortunately being trampled upon more and more every day. And it is unsettling. And that is the next beauty of being an American and having the freedom of speech is calling out that it's bullshit and I want it to stop. And I think the sentiment, I I have so much hope that the sentiment all around is people feel the same way. You look at the school board meetings now, places like Virginia, people just calling out this we talked about it and a few months ago, this critical race theory shit. People are waking up to this bullshit that's being fed to everyone and this information that's being trounced upon and our freedoms that are being trounced upon. And I'm hoping it's going to turn into a net positive, but I think it's, I, I mean, you can't have a period of, of excellence without a period of, of horror. And I think we're just going into a period of horror that we're going to hopefully come out on the other side of, but we'll see.
This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. This brings our discussion of censorship to a close. What are your thoughts? Obviously, there's so much more we could discuss, and I'm sure Grant and I will come back to the topic at some point. Are there any angles we didn't cover that you thought we should have? We want to hear from you and hear your opinion. Next up, we have a pretty big episode planned. For the month of October, our topic is U.S. military interventionism and Afghanistan. In this special two-part episode, we discuss not only the war in Afghanistan, and of course the current events surrounding it, but also the ethics or obligations surrounding our nation's foreign involvement. Joining Grant and I to discuss these important issues are the amazing veterans behind both the Panjway podcast and the Boardwalk podcast. They've been helping me sift through all things Afghanistan, and I'm a true fan of both of their shows, so please go check them out. Be sure to tune in for part one on October 11th and part two on October 25th. In the meantime, if you're enjoying this new format with our monthly topical discussions, we would greatly appreciate sharing this podcast with friends, family, and help to spread the word of our message of nuance and understanding. During these divisive political and social times, we want to make sure we have conversations without assuming the worst in each other and embrace different perspectives. What better way to do so than with a glass of whiskey? Please like, subscribe, follow, and share us all across social media and podcast platforms. And be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.